All right. Thank you. Antonio, we're off to you now. Back next week. Listening to KBOO Portland. That's right. It is KBOO Portland, and it's 9 a.m., which means we're going to jump right into Press Watch, the news you're not supposed to know, with your host, Teresa Mitchell, on your community connection, KBOO Portland. Stay tuned. I think that was Troika. <laughs> hi, this is Teresa Mitchell, and uh, I do a program called Press Watch, the news you're not supposed to know, and uh, that's what I'm doing right now. And I've been doing it for decades, and uh, so I've been gone for a couple of weeks, and had a little problem, uh, and had some surgery, and the surgery was, I'm happy to say, actually quite successful. Uh, so far, it seems like uh, I, I attempt the uh, attempt the medical gods or something. Every time I say that, something goes wrong. So I tell the engineer, you know, if I suddenly make you know strange quacking noises, and <laughs> then you'll have to run something else. But so far, so good for today. I got your back, uh, sister. All right, <laughs> I actually am feeling much better, and I'm really glad to get to participate in People's Community Radio, KBOO Portland. And it was wonderful to hear Linda Olson-Osterlin after all the uh, the terrific interviews and programs she's done over the years, and to hear the working-class hero, Reggae Bob, right there uh, on air. That's KBOO at its best. So I want to see what I can add today. Today I want to talk about various aspects of the, uh, the multi-faceted crisis that we are facing in this year. 2020, and you know, at the moment right now, that means mostly the economic and pandemic aspects. But uh, the people have uh, been making it clear, have been moving forward, saying that we want an end to the oppression of black people in the United States. And so, I want to ask you about that too, because that's going on forward. The uh, uh, yesterday, I, I got to. Uh, honk along with a, a caravan yesterday on North Portland on Alberta Street going honk, 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 meaning Black Lives Matter, you know. And that was just great fun. And, and then I heard that uh, the Portland police again used their uh, firecrackers last night. Their flash bang grenades, which actually damage your hearing at somewhere near the rate of their nasty little uh, LRAD weapon that they mount on a military vehicle. And uh, 
the situation is unacceptable. I wonder what change we can create in this manner because the establishment is very good at waiting it out. The, you may not know, but there were extensive protests against U.S. imperialism, for example, in 1913. Uh, also in 1898, actually, people objected to the invasion of the Philippines and what was Spain. And uh, 1913, uh, there were all sorts of progressive issues being pushed, uh, particularly in New York City. Uh, Portland's famous son, John Reed, was a part of that. Uh, that group of people uh, later got involved with the Russian Revolution. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, we know about the 60s, and we know that it was street actions that drove the, the political, whatever political force uh, anti-racist thinking had at the time was largely driven by actions in the streets. And when I say actions, I mean really, really broad and, and often violent actions. Actions that, just as today, started off and intended to be nonviolent. But that's just the way it goes. I mean, when you when you deny people any form of expression, and in the 60s, uh, the Jim Crow voting laws were extremely tight. Well, what's left? And now we have a new kind of Jim Crow voting action, for example, closing all but one poll in a large city. Uh, and that is how Trump got elected, actually, was through that sort of action. It was through, it was through closing polls. Uh, the, uh, the Green candidate actually spent some of her money and her political capital afterwards trying to get the Democratic Party to acknowledge the fact that uh, Trump stole the election by closing polls in Detroit. And uh, the Democratic Party was reluctant to, to move against the Republican Party on something that's been so handy in the, in the broad sense for the Democratic Party over all these years. After all that year, the Democratic Party had also denied uh, Bernie Sanders the vote in California. Sneaky little measures. Although closing polls is a pretty broad measure, I would say. So I want to talk about all of these things. And um, I've been digging into just uh, what's likely to happen to the economy. And you probably won't be surprised to hear that uh, what I'm digging out isn't, uh, isn't smooth sailing. But there are things in the news right now that I would like to talk about, and I'm going to invite your calls. Let me bring up a couple of them. Uh, first, uh, as I was preparing the show, the Supreme Court rejected President Trump's assertion that he enjoys absolute immunity while in office, allowing a New York to pursue a subpoena of the president's private and business financial records. Now, if if you're listening to me right now and you heard that kind of news speak, which I was actually reading the, uh, the text from Washington Post, let me uh, repeat the important part. The Supreme Court rejected Trump's assertion that he enjoys absolute immunity while in office. That was a 7-2 vote. I believe uh, Alito and uh, Thomas were the two and whew, dodged a bullet there because that is that was the that was a stair step to dictatorship right there. That was that was a near thing. Because as of this morning and before an hour or so ago, it really wasn't clear whether the presidency was going to be uh, granted dictatorial powers. Uh, in a separate case, they write the, the court sent a fight over congressional subpoenas for the material back to lower courts because of quote significant separation of powers concerns end quote. Now this is worrisome because in my mind this should be. Uh, quite clear that uh, Congress should be able to subpoena the president, and it was a huge problem during the impeachment procedures. Of course, the main problem during the impeachment procedures was that the uh, the Republican sen senatorial bloc, understanding that they were clinging desperately onto their last vestige of power since they did not gain it legitimately. Uh, I'm referring to the my earlier statements about uh, messing with the, the voting system. Uh, they would have blocked it anyway, but uh, the, uh, the the Trump administration wouldn't budge on those subpoenas, so that's still in play. Chief Justice John G. Roberts Jr. wrote in in the case, in our judicial system, this is a quote: "The public has the right to every man's evidence. Since the earliest days of the republic, every man has included the president of the United States." So, justice has ruled seven to two 
uh, and that means that Gorsuch and Kavanaugh joined the majority. That's a, that's another good thing. Uh, that's that's twice with Gorsuch, uh, and and with Kavanaugh actually. So interesting things happening this morning. Trying to get uh, Trump's tax returns now, and uh, it's uh, if I understand correctly, it's tied up to the point that they may not get coughed up before the election anyway. Now, I also want to talk about um, the statues that are being pulled down. Nancy Pelosi was talking about that this morning. It was interesting how she kind of dodged uh, saying whether it was okay to uh, extra-legally, you know, mob-wise, just pull down those statues. Uh, and I suppose that's all she could do is dodge it, because it certainly is obviously the pro- pull-down statues, uh, particularly of uh, Confederate leaders. I want to state again that the reason those statues are up there is uh, they were put up largely in the uh, early 20th century uh, fierce backlash against black power. And they were put up there, and uh, uh, Confederate leaders were put into the, the statuary hall in Congress. Uh, in order to make a physical representation that the Civil War was essentially reversed and that uh, black people would be exploited for their labor and cruelly for their dignity. Uh, Those statues are there to erase history and that's not my, uh, that quote is not my idea. That actually came from uh, KBOO broadcaster Rolf Rolf Simperbon was talking with him yesterday. He said, those statues are there to erase history. So when you hear someone saying, you're erasing history by pulling down those statues, uh, no. <laughs> no, uh, we put up a statue of a slave owner and we say that the important thing was not that he owned slaves. Well, it's obviously a lie. And uh, I can see how pieces of those might end up in a museum with appropriate markings, but uh, to put them out in public, that's to erase history. That's to say things are really okay and these are really great men as opposed to the the first tier of wealth for the super elites in this country, for the ruling power, for whites was slavery and these people were not great. They were the promulgators of that hierarchical power, that horror. And that includes Woodrow Wilson. There's been some talk about whether to rename Woodrow Wilson High School and a lot of pushback on it. Well, I think it's absurd that uh, here or anywhere else there's a Woodrow Wilson institution. And that's because Woodrow Wilson was a dedicated racist, even by the standards of the time. Uh, here's, some, here's some quotes from Woodrow Wilson, and I want to warn you in advance. They're, they're obnoxious, and I'm actually changing one of the words to make them broadcastable. Uh, he wrote... Adventurers swarmed out of the north, as much the enemies of one race as of the other, to cause the blacks in the villages, the blacks were the office holders, men who, none of, who knew none of the uses of authority except its influences. He's referring to the fact that uh, some offices in the south were um, taken by elected black men. He wrote, the white men of the south were aroused by a mere instinct of self-preservation to rid themselves by fair means or foul of the intolerable burden of government sustained by the votes of ignorant blacks and conducted in the interest of adventurers. He wrote, out of mere instinct of self-preservation, there arose a great Ku Klux Klan. He wrote, the policy of the congressional leaders of civilization in the South and their determination to put the white South under the heel of the black South. He was he was a racist. He was an enemy. He was anti-black. Um, and he considered to be he considered black people to be inferior to the point of being animals. Uh, he's a great friend of uh, adventurers like Cecil Rhodes. And uh, adventurers is a very soft term. Uh, genocidalist Cecil Rhodes. And you know to have a high school or a statue of, of Wilson is to erase history and to say, oh, this is a great man, League of Nations. No, this is and. It's very hard to find these details on the web, but the fact is the man wrote uh, what he called scientific papers, which were based on phrenology, pseudoscience, uh, to prove in his mind that uh, that whites were were superior to blacks. 
So that's what, if you see a statue of Will, uh, Woodrow Wilson, then you're seeing a statue of, of whiteness, a statue of erasure of history. Sure, absolutely they should come down. And it's very encouraging to see them come down. So I'm interested in your comments and questions, 503-231-8187, 503-231-8187. And uh, I, um, as I was saying before, the economy has been rocked by the, uh, by the pandemic. And uh, I'm trying to think what the likely trajectory is one of the things that has been uh, on my mind is CLO gambling. Now, if that sounds familiar, uh, the crash of 08 had to do in large part with gambling of derivatives on CDOs. Uh, and uh, CLOs are very, uh, very similar. Uh, they are as opposed to gambling CDOs being uh, uh, tranches based on uh, gambling on mortgages. And uh, the question is, is this about to collapse? And I can't give an absolute answer, but I can say that I see uh, some serious instability. And uh, of course, that is also due to the fact that not only uh, was the economy stunned by the first wave you know, technically, technically we're still in the first wave. Let me say, stunned by the first uh, shutdown, first major shutdown of the U.S. and the world economy. Uh, but the, uh, the investors anticipate a further shutdown because, well, because as many people said, uh, it was very unpleasant to cloister ourselves, to quarantine ourselves. Uh, it was wearisome. It was inconvenient. It, uh, it caused mental health problems. It caused economic problems for so many people. And uh, those, those payments have only uh, addressed part of it. And uh, the question is, would that have a lasting effect? And I think we can say that because so many businesses have absolutely failed and closed, absolutely that, that first wave of closures is going to have a lengthy effect over a period of years on what we call the economy. But it's worse than that. Uh, let me give you uh, some details uh, uh, about what's happening with uh, coronavirus, for example, in Texas. Uh, this from corporate media, as coronaviruses, uh, coronavirus cases surge, inundating hospitals and leading to testing shortages, a rapidly growing number of Houston area residents are dying at home according to NBC News and ProPublica review of Houston Fire Department data. An increasing number of these at-home deaths have been confirmed to be the result of COVID-19. Uh, that's according to Harris County Medical Examiner data. This is just Texas, but uh, same sort of things happening in Arizona and Florida. Uh, returning to that, the previously unreported jump in people died of a mounting crisis in the region beset by one of the nation's worst and fastest growing on Tuesday, a record 3,851 people were hospitalized for the coronavirus in Houston, in the Houston region. 3,851 hospitalized on Tuesday in the Houston region. And that's just a stunning amount of people exceeding normal intensive care capacity and sending some hospitals scrambling to find additional staff and space. And speaking for myself, it is doubtless much worse today. The uptick, they write, in the number of people dying each a hospital in Houston draws parallels to what happened in New York City in March and April when there was a spike and the number of times firefighters responded to medical calls only to discover that the person in need of help had already died. These increases also echo those reported during outbreaks in Detroit and Boston where the number of people dying at home jumped as coronavirus has surged. I'm reading this sort of thing because there is a dual, at least, maybe there's a triple or quadruple nature to COVID. Uh, but when I say there's a dual nature, I mean there's another aspect to it of when, if I understand correctly, when the population of the virus in a person, in a super spreader, or in a small group is sufficient that it can overwhelm the defenses of, of this is a matter of numbers. Uh, and this pops up 
when it is uncontrolled, when it's not just a case of somebody just starting to get it and just becoming contagious, but rather uh, a series, a set of dominoes, if you like, uh, of people getting ever increasing concentrations of the stuff until it reaches this uh, this new stage. It reminds me of what I've read about uh, mnemonic uh, aspect of the Black Plague. But Texas, and uh, here I'm speaking for myself, Texas is hiding thousands of COVID deaths as pneumonia. And the reason I say that is Texas would normally have had less than 500 such deaths from February to May, but is now claiming over 4,000 pneumonia deaths. Now think about that. They would normally have less than 500, substantially less than 500 pneumonia deaths over that period of time. Now they're saying there's over 4,000. Now if that were true, uh, then it should be news as a separate outbreak of unknown pneumonia. But it's not unknown pneumonia. Of course not. This is Texas. I came from Texas. They get all proud and dodgy about things like this. And uh, Texas rejected Medicare expansion under Obamacare. And Texas is a place where it can be devastatingly expensive to go to the hospital or to get care at all. And especially if you're like so many people and you're just skating from one scarcely adequate set of jobs to another, you can't go to the hospital. You can't go get care. If you get sick, you try to ride it out and evidently it in that manner. And returning to that uh, article, by the way, the number to call 503-231-8187. While far more people died of COVID in Texas cities than have died so far in Houston, researchers and paramedics say that the trend of sudden at-home deaths in Texas' largest city is concerning because it shows that the virus toll may be deeper than what appears in official death tallies and daily hospitalization reports. Many people who die at home are not tested for COVID-19. According to Dr. Jeremy Faust, an emergency medicine physician at Brigham Brigham and Women's Hospital in New York City, for example, only 16% of the 11,000 and change at home deaths during February and June have been attributed to COVID-19, according to data from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Faust said, quote, there's no reflexive testing there's no pressure to call it a COVID death, noting that, in quote, uh, noting that med- medical examiners are selective about the cases that they take. And this is also happening in Texas. Uh, very few uh, deaths, aside from, I think, uh, one of the coroners uh, in Houston has taken on himself. To, he got his own kit together so he could test uh, people's bodies. By and large, uh, these deaths are not being reported. And uh, the rise in at-home deaths may also reflect people who are afraid to go to the hospital, he says, who die of heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, and other conditions not related to the coronavirus. And speaking for myself, we know that this is a clotting disease, and so it may be that heart attacks, strokes uh, may be occurring due to COVID-19. Ultimately, he said, public health experts trying to assess the toll from COVID will need to study how many excess deaths there are in a particular region and whether the demographics of those who died are different, different excuse me, from what one might expect. He's quoted saying, if there's a huge spike in at-home deaths but no real spike in overall deaths, it's just sort of rearranging deck chairs, end quote. They write such an analysis takes time in part because death certificates are not submitted instantaneously. Peter Hotes, Dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston said the surge at at-home deaths in at-home deaths reflects the nature of the way COVID-19 attacks the body. He said early on doctors were focused on respiratory symptoms, but case studies in New York and elsewhere showed the virus also causes serious heart problems that can lead to sudden deaths. And he is quoted saying, and it seems to be happening both early and late in the course of the illness. So patients are recovering and then they'll come home from the hospital and then they'll die diagnosed, and the first manifestation is sudden death. So it's a very frightening aspect of COVID-19 and why we need to work so hard to slow the spread because you don't even get the chance to seek medical attention, in quotes. So the point I'm making here is that uh, this is indeed a serious disease despite uh, what you may have heard from conservatives and people who follow uh, conservative media. I guess there's not much of a difference there. Uh, it can be quite sudden. And uh, 
the median age of, of people dying from COVID is going down. Number to call with your comments and questions, 503-231-8187, 503-231-8187. What do you think about uh, the Portland Police Department and, uh, and the mayor and the city council, the way things are being handled uh, downtown? Why are peaceful protests coming uh, police why are they using these uh, injurious uh, how many people do you think have lead poisoning at this point uh, from tear gas it has lead sulfate in it, lead uh, lead salts in it it has uh, hexavalent chromium in it it's very toxic stuff and they never had the right to use it, in my opinion. What do you think? 503-231-8187. We have James on the line. 503-231-8187. And I'll talk to James first. Hi, James. Hi, Teresa. Hey, um, I, you're a treasure, and I uh, really appreciate everything you say, and that's one of the reasons I'm calling with a technical issue. Um, I, I assume you're talking on a cell phone? Uh, I am talking on headphone set which I'm not quite satisfied with actually is, is the uh, sound pretty tinny from this thing no it's that um, I, it sounds like what what I refer to as cheek dialing where um, the uh, a keypad is being pressed and it, and it makes a, a tone and it and it interrupts what you're saying so your uh, um, okay. your message yeah, isn't coming across as clear as I would like to hear it but yeah, that's starting, starting to happen with the uh, – we got a new phone system, I say new, in the last couple of years, I guess. Uh, got a phone system at Cable in, and, and that phone system is doing that. Uh, and I'm annoyed by it, too. I don't know what causes it. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, you hear someone talking away, and then you hear beep, like someone just pressed the keypad. Yeah, yeah I'm then, sorry about that. And then, then it, it, I hear the beep instead of the word you say, so your sentences are chopped up, and it, you, I, I'm missing a lot of the, the words that you're saying. And uh, I understand the difficulties in, in doing what is doing right now, and I really appreciate all the efforts that are being made to keep Cable on the air, and particularly you, Teresa, because of all the great work you do. And I just wanted to be helpful, so keep up the good work. Well, um, thanks for that. Appreciate it. I hope it's not, uh, hope it's not more frequent than it was. <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's an annoying sound. Uh, number to call, 503-231-8187, 231 8187. I've uh, often said that this country is the perfect storm for a pandemic. Um, and I started saying that in uh, January when I interviewed Dr. Henry Nyman, uh, internationally known virologist, about COVID and uh, predicted the disaster and interviewed, interviewed him again in February. And uh, Dr. Nyman is continuing to do uh, very specific technical work in analyzing uh, the virus and is to be hoped that what he is doing will save lives. I may want to get him back on. I don't know. Um, those, those shows, uh, necessarily because the man is a technician, uh, those shows uh, had a lot of jargon in them and might, might have been difficult to follow. I decided to do them anyway because, we, for one thing, we have an archiving system, so what he says uh, becomes news and becomes, uh, well, or rather is uh, valuable information for the public in terms of medical research. But I'll, I'll admit it can be pretty hard to follow and there's a lot of uh, words that have to be uh, more or less translated. But uh, he was one of the ones that noticed uh, early on that uh, as this, uh, this Houston doctor was saying, uh, it can attack suddenly. Uh, those clots can get into your heart and just knock you dead. Uh, there, the, the cases of uh, people falling dead in the streets in Wuhan uh, or in Tehran were not faked. Uh, maybe some of them were, but uh, those that wasn't that is that wasn't is an actual phenomenon that uh, the virus can attack that quickly, and particularly in a country like this, where uh, in order to protect the investments of the very rich, uh, people are driven to work. Where we have a president who responds to a horrible crisis in the meatpacking plants by forcing people to work in them. Uh, the situation can get to the point. I mean, it's it's a case of people working next to each other. Uh, a couple of people say both of them have the virus. They're both trying to survive it. Each cough on each other's body. 
they go and cough near someone else, and uh, the virus load can be so high that that, that third person can just drop dead. And uh, that's, that's an aspect of, of, the, of the disease that is due to the fact that this is a well, this is just a corrupt country. I think we have a, you know, if you want to stack the dollars together, we have a world record on corruption. If you if you look at, for example, how much how much money the uh, the Pentagon socks away just for the fun of it and because they can, they they have on the order. I understand the Pentagon has on the order of a trillion dollars in its slush funds now. That's that's not legal. You just go and try to take it from them, though. I dare you. Number call with your comments and questions: five zero three two three one. 8187, 503-231-8187. Now, continuing to, uh, to quote Dr. Dario Gonzalez, uh, who was uh, quoted with uh, ProPublica and NBC News, uh, Deputy Director of the New York City Fire Department, he said the number of cardiac arrest calls that the department had to respond to in March and April was overwhelming. At the peak of the New York outbreak, the fire department was responding to more than 300 cardiac arrest calls per day compared to a daily average of 65 calls the previous year. Now, correlation is not causation. I know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. Uh, what are the chances that that was anything but COVID virus clots stopping people's hearts? He is quoted in this article saying the psychological toll on the providers is significant. You can lose one or two, but when it comes, it just seemed like it went on and on. It says he worries about first responders with post-traumatic stress disorder. Quote, if we get hit with a second wave, that's going to be a huge issue for us in the hospitals. Can the people, the nurses, the doctors, the EMTs, and the medics do it? Everybody likes to say they'll rise to the challenge, but there's just so much challenge you can deal with, end quote. And speaking for myself, we've already lost hundreds, hundreds of health providers who are just working themselves to death in the hospital every day, changing out those... Uh, those ventilators getting sprayed with massive amounts of COVID and dying from it. People in the prime of health dying heroically, trying to save us. And, uh, you know, when I think about that and I see people going around, as I do all around Portland, without masks on, well, I get the feels. I would say I just get angry, but I get more feels than that. It's uh, you know, something on, along the lines of, ah, harm a velt. This is, uh, you know, people were propagandized by President Trump. President Trump, I would like to, I would like to assign a number using certain indices. It wouldn't be that hard. It wouldn't be too hard to get close to how many people President Trump has killed with his vainglorious lies. And one of those lies is that you just don't need a mask or it's a personal choice. No, if you have any respect for your fellow human, then you should be wearing a mask in public, and that's to protect people from you by and large it may be that your mask your cloth mask might catch a covid virus or two and save you from however many it takes uh, to trigger an infection in your case so viruses it takes to overwhelm your system but it's much more likely that if you get it and you sneeze the match the, the mask will catch most of it and it won't spread all that far uh, it came out recently and i reported uh, when i did the afternoon news on tuesday that uh, this is um uh, very credible group uh, of scientists internationally has said that this is very clearly spread in an aerosolized manner. It's, it's spread when you're singing, it's spread when you're shouting, it's spread indoors. Be 30 feet away from someone who has it indoors and you can get it. And uh, that's, that's just a fact. That's just the way that it is. There's some pushback on that, but I don't believe it. Uh, just speaking in my capacity as, as a long-term uh, journalism analyst, I guess I would call myself. I'd like to I'd like to know how COVID and the unemployment with COVID and the 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 mental health strain from COVID. I'd like to know how it's affecting you. The number to call five zero three two three one eight one eight seven five zero three two three one eight one eight seven. Had someone on the KBOO board was hospitalized uh, recently with coronavirus and I just felt so bad for that person uh, because when you get coronavirus and you're hospitalized uh, you're alone uh, and you're in great pain and of course it's terrifying because it's already so bad that you're in the hospital 
So you get set by yourself. Anyone who comes to you is wearing very extensive equipment. I mean, think about that. When you're really sick, you need people even more than ever. You need people to be touching you, holding you, cutting your head. But with COVID, I mean, people can't afford to do that. All of your friends and relatives are kept away. The people treating you, you know, they're compassionate enough that they're overwhelmed and they're covered in all this stuff and they're scared. They don't want to get it from you. And so you're alone in that room with your pain. Horrible, a horrible thing. And so many of you listening to me know that because you've experienced it. And others, uh, others uh, in the KBU community have uh, contracted coronavirus and then had to tough it out at home, coughing blood. This is a terrible disease. This is not to be scoffed at. This is not to play politics with. You've got to have your mask on. Absolutely got to have your mask on. 503-231-8187, 503-231-8187, and I understand that Anissa is holding. Are you there, Anissa? Yes, I'm here, Teresa. Hi, what's up? Yeah, I, uh, a long time ago, meaning several months ago, I did some research by listening to, uh, well, researching the uh, Korean virologist, I can't remember his name, but the uh, YouTube channel was called Asian Boss, where a young Korean, maybe Korean-American, was interviewing this uh, amazing Korean uh, virologist who'd been practicing for 30 years. He knows viruses very well. And I turned down my volume, and I read the subtitles, and I found out about aerosols. And this six fig- the six feet uh, distance we're supposed to stay away from each other, well, it's nice, but... Uh, Quite frankly, uh, you can, like you just finished saying, you can catch the aerosol viruses riding on aerosols 30 feet away from somebody who happens to be shouting or singing. People need to understand about aerosols, don't you think? I do, and um, I think that, uh, well, I have had to go into um, uh, medical facilities uh, several times over the last few weeks uh, because I had another condition that was you know, eventually going to do me in if they didn't uh, give me surgery. And so I was, I was feeling pretty, uh, pretty afraid to go in there. And, and fortunately, uh, local hospitals lacking, lacking any federal direction have taken it upon themselves to separate facilities so that only certain facilities are taking in people with COVID and they scan everyone who comes in to make sure they don't have COVID. So I wasn't too, but I don't like going inside facilities, generally speaking at all. I don't like going in grocery stores. I don't like, I'm certainly not going in any uh, restaurant. Um, you know, I've gotten some takeout, but that's where the danger is, as far as I can possibly. Um, Absolutely, a, and unless these uh, buildings have huge, uh, very efficient filters on their air conditioning systems, you're just, you know, you got to be aware that the virus can ride on aerosols light as a feather. Yes, the size and, of it, I... I I wish I hadn't forgotten which. It's either one micron. <laughs> but yeah, the micron. Uh, well, you know, you can, anybody can go on the YouTube and, uh, you know, type in Asian boss and uh, COVID virus and, and, and turn down the volume and read the subtitles if you want to know the real stuff. Because these Americans who think they can demand things and that certain things can be provided just for a sum of money, such as... Uh, vaccines no vaccines take years to develop and if we're lucky we can get a vaccine for this new coronavirus uh maybe within two years but that would be very lucky don't you think it would be lucky and i I, you know i'm just really hoping for well i'm hoping for a vaccine and i'm also uh, noting with optimism that uh, there seem to be increasingly effective treatments so we might be moving towards uh, a possibility of COVID being something like AIDS that you can live with as opposed to necessarily die from. Absolutely. But, and what I found very helpful was going on YouTube and finding these young people, meaning those under age 35, who are telling us and helping us to understand what it's like to contract and to survive COVID virus. So I went on the YouTube, and there were two women right away that I uh, were age 33, and another one was 29. They uh, went through it and survived it, 
and they reported exactly how it felt and how they felt. And, you know, their, their surrounding people support system and how they uh, handled it. So it was very, very helpful to understand that and to also go to Asian boss. This is how I got educated. Well, thank you for that information. Uh, and I want to spin off on that and say that uh, mutual aid is how, that we, how we will get through this. Now, um, I am, uh, because I had a, a kidney disease, it was uh, Proteus mirabilis, it was chock full of <laughs> my kidneys. Uh, I was a prime candidate for just dropping dead of COVID. And uh, there are two other people in my house who are very susceptible. And so my friends, my wonderful, wonderful friends have been doing the grocery shopping for me. It's just a terrific oh, thing. Shout out, shout out right. to Al and Zale, and uh, now I'm going to drop the ball and forget uh, people have done it for me, but uh, wonderful people have done this. And uh, it's this mutual aid aspect that's going to get us through this economic crash that I'm also making reference to here. And so I want to thank you for your call, and now I want to talk about the, um, the economy a bit uh, because of this. Um, I was trying to make the point that um, the... It's just worse. I mean, economically, uh, both in terms of what the U.S. is about to experience in terms of the uh, the coronavirus horror, and, and in terms of the economy, it's just going to be much worse. And the way that most of us are going to get through this is to help each other because the U.S. government is not there, was not elected by us, really. It was getting us through very extensive funds gained from the elite super rich class that the U.S. government actually supports. It's a monster government. It's here to throw us in prisons, frighten us, keep us unemployed, keep us afraid, keep us dying. And uh, that is what is profitable for the people who stash billions of dollars in the Cayman Islands. Uh, frankly, that's, that's no exaggeration. That is simply a clean, a clear-headed examination of, of how power works, how money flows, how we do it in this country. And a very essential part of doing that has always been dividing uh, so-called white people. A very important part of it has been creating the myth of whiteness, you know, so that someone like me who has a mostly Irish and German heritage believes herself to be the equivalent uh, or, or somehow the same as someone who has mostly Polish heritage or, you know, just anyone with um, with a pale skin. It could be, <laughs> it could be a certain indigenous Andeans, I'm, you know, would automatically assume I had uh, racial uh, covalent qualities with a ridiculous idea. The idea of race, of course, is, is poisonous in and of itself, so it's poison built on poison. Uh, but that is not to say that it is not very effective. And uh, so it's very encouraging to me to see these Black Lives Matters protests and to see people and to see so many white people here in Portland going out and uh, following think that they do. There, there are terrible errors and, and, and terrible uh, acts of whiteness going on as well, but uh, to the extent that they do following black leadership and saying black lives matter and learning all these things uh, that uh, you probably heard on KBOO for decades, that this country was built on the backs of, of black people and indigenous people and Asian people and, and <laughs> And that's how the money flows. And uh, that's how we are kept apart. And uh, every, every, left mo every left moment, every left movement has been broken by the fact that the left is not in solidarity with black people. And now that might be changing. And uh, I, uh, I'm really encouraged to see it, and I wonder where it'll go. But uh, I do want to talk about the economy. Uh, there's a Reuters article that says Federal Reserve officials raised fresh doubts yesterday about the durability of the U.S. recovery, while new business surveys highlighted developing risks from the relentless coronavirus pandemic in separate appearances. Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic and Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin noted what Barkin characterized as air pockets facing the U.S. economy. Businesses exhausting existing order books without refilling them and households facing the end of unemployment benefits and other support. This, I'm going to translate this in a minute. Business, uh, he's quoted saying, businesses like construction had pretty good pipelines and kept going, in quotes, uh, through the first phase of the pandemic. Uh, and that's what Barkin said in webcast remarks to a group of local chambers of commerce. 
Uh, he added, however, quote, new orders are not coming online in the same way. We have fiscal payments that are coming to an end. It's not clear what is going to replace them, in quotes. Okay, so let me uh, go back and translate that. Uh, fresh doubts about the durability of the U.S. recovery uh, is their way of saying, oh, look, we're going to have a recovery. We're not going to have a recovery, not, <laughs> not with this much money having fallen out into, as they say, not without this much wealth destroyed. Uh, new business surveys highlighted developing risks. Yeah, developing risks like they're not going to be able to be in business. Restaurants are closing all over the place. Um, restaurants that, you know, some people, I think wisely, some people closed their restaurants right away and held on to the cash as best they could. Uh, I won't tell anyone what a good business model is because I just don't know, but it looks like a good idea because it looks like maybe some restaurants will be able to reopen, but restaurants uh, have developed uh, such a, and, and the, the culture around them, all of us are part of this, have developed such a uh, exploitative model. Uh, it's a wonder that they were able to keep running anyway. It's, it's just a low profit model and uh, it depends on young people running their butts off constantly and uh, giving up on benefits they should be receiving and doing extra work and all that sort of thing. That's just the nature of the restaurant industry, and you know it really well if you're in it. You're being run off your legs when you can get the work, and you're being treated as if you should be lucky to even get in the door. Well, that was a very fragile model, and now that uh, you can't get business, you can't, get, you can't pack people into your square footage, you can't... Uh, get the same number of orders that you could uh, before. You can't have that bustling camaraderie that people like so much when they like to eat. Uh, well, it's different, very difficult to have a business at all serving food. I'm glad for the ones that are still out there because Lord knows I'm getting tired of my puny cooking skills. Uh, I fortunately live with some people who cook better than I do. Uh, but those, a lot of those jobs are just plain gone. And that, as I was saying, that would have an effect, and it does have an effect on investors after a while, not right away, because they have so much money. When I say investors, I mean, you know, that, that Cayman Island class, those uh, greater Antilles uh, offshore tax theft investors, um, they, they have so much they can ride this for a long time, but they can't ride it forever, and uh, the cash needs to flow in various ways, and you'd be surprised how many of those ways just depend on the little person? Uh, for example, in 08, Citibank uh, can, can accredit a lot of its uh, stability to the fact that they are still getting dope money from cartels. And uh, right now, people don't have any money for their cocaine. That includes the uh, top business managers at really fast restaurants. <laughs> They're and the man who's selling the powder, well, he's just not getting the dollar for it right now. Except, as I said, for the elite quest. That'll, that'll just keep coming on down. They'll keep partying. They're all right. But uh, it's, it's complex like that. You can't shut down a third of the workforce uh, permanently and not suffer a depression. And this is where we're headed towards a depression. Number to call with your comments and questions, 503-231-8187. I see that a caller has pointed out that masks with valves allow exhaled air to escape, meaning they provided no protection for others. I wouldn't say they provide no protection. Uh, I, I know the type of mask you're talking about. Uh, when you sneeze, uh, it is a very high pressure uh, event. The, the, at, when measured at your lips when you sneeze, the air is coming out at 200 miles per hour. So anything in front of you, including that mask with the valve on it, is going to greatly slow the power of that explosion. And uh, as a matter of fact, that sort of sound is called a labial plosion. Uh, so I, I would agree that uh, the valve is going to let more air out. It's also going to, uh, uh, you can see uh, by backlighting people when they sneeze, whether they're wearing a mask with a valve or not, that the mask has a tremendous effect uh, and I'm pushing back really hard on that because although I think somebody is probably just trying to make a point that the valves have that, uh, you know, have that effect, uh, there is no excuse not to wear a mask. Wear a mask or you're being a bastard, period. Fight me. 503-231-8187. 503-231-8187.
1-800-227-8787. And uh, as I was saying, the uh, uh, the collapse that has been caused by this uh, first wave of quarantine uh, is going to have an effect over a period of years. And it is going to be greatly worsened by um, <laughs> engineers cracking me up. <laughs> It's going to be greatly worsened uh, by the fact that we're going to have to shut everything down again. I have absolutely no doubt about that. Quote me. What is this? This is the uh, this is Thursday, the 9th of July. Teresa Mitchell said we're shutting everything down again harder than before. No one wants to hear that. It's absolutely true. I'll freaking eat my hat if I'm wrong. Shred by shred. And it's a fluffy, fluffy hat. I have no doubt that that's not going to be in my mouth, okay? But I said it, and I'll stand by it. I'll stand by it if I can possibly convince you to the extent that I have done this research as much as I possibly person that I have. I mean, I didn't just interview Henry Nyman. I've known Henry Nyman for years and years. We had many conversations. This virologist and uh, saw it coming. <laughs> Boy, did he see it coming. And uh, I hope that I hope that it helped. You know. KBOO, by providing that service, uh, KBOO was providing the level of understanding uh, before these even named COVID-19 to the KBOO audience. It was the level that was available to President Trump. He ignored it because he's a dumb bastard. I better not use, overuse that word, I guess. Because he's a jerk, because he's a narcissist. He didn't give a damn. His, his you know, intent and his focus is still trying to distract people's attention from it. Well, enough of what I'm saying. Jersey is on the line, so I want to talk to Jersey. Hi, you there? Hey, Bruce. Hey, thank you for everything. Um, I, you know, I know it's going to go way out there, but it's really strange that this just lands on their lap um, when for so many years they talked about cutting Social Security. Well, there's a few hundred thousand people that can actually be not paid uh, for the rest of their lost lives. That's A1. Um, B, wow, deliberately not wear any protection. I know you have some issues with some of that protection, but it's still the, the philosophy of it is definitely don't wear any protection. This is our opportunity to kill people without actually telling them we're killing them. And, yeah. and that's a lot of poor people because guess who's not getting the health care? So yes. I, I just, you know, this was the thing that, that all, all the eugenics even basically becomes a background noise compared to what is actually happening right now. And so I think this is a convenient opportunity for them, and they have no interest whatsoever in making sure people are healthy because that doesn't serve it. And another reason why I can justify the, that theory and politically crazy as it may be, is on top of that, the last five years has been so much open talk about a 25% reduction in labor employment when robot conversion comes. So what does that mean? Well, a lot of labor people that will need public assistance. Well, how do we not need them? Well, they can go away. So this just landed on their lap well, and they want to take advantage of it. And that's my crazy-ass opinion. Thank you very much. Well, I, I think I agree with you. If I, I missed a few words due to distortion, which I think partly is my headphones. Um, I think I'm going to have to get a different. I think I'm going to have to get a better set of headphones to do this show. But thank you very much for your call. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm still there. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. All right. Well, yeah. Um, and now, I mean. I really want to encourage all, I, I talked about people coming and, and bringing food to me. That's a very basic form of solidarity, but uh, we need to be pooling resources, pooling food, uh, pooling housing, uh, and we need to protect ourselves in a, in a collective manner at this point because the out constantly delay, I mean, certainly the Republic are going to try to stop any further help for the working person altogether. But, uh, you know, the 24th of July, that's it for your money. And how are you going to pay August? I don't know. But please, anyone listening to me, if you think you're not going to be able to make uh, August or September rent, don't move out. Don't move out. Whatever you do, don't 
move out. There are not enough police to drag you out of the house. Just think about that. If all of the, uh, and for gosh sakes, don't be ashamed and move out on that basis. I see people doing that. I've, you know, I harbored a couple in this house for, for years uh, who I found out they were getting foreclosed on, but they actually moved out out of shame. They weren't even evicted. <laughs> but uh, it causes tremendous disruption, not just to yourself, but it causes uh, economic disruption and, and not to mention what it does to your family. Uh, the extensions keep getting put forward, but that's just, that's an attempt to save the investors because they won't say that there is and there must be an absolute uh, forgiveness of rents missed because of the pandemic. That has to go away. Now, I'm an anarchist and I don't believe in rent anyway, uh, but we live in a capitalist society and rents and mortgages are happening right now. And I understand you got to participate um, in some way. But if you are in a situation, you know, whatever the cause right now, uh, this is just no time to be taking the, oh, it's, it's my fault, I, sh I, I made mistakes, uh, you know, I'll tough it out. Don't take that attitude, please. Stay in your housing. Stay in your housing. You know, if, you're <laughs> if your landlady comes and says, where's the rent? Say, Teresa Mitchell says, I can't pay, so I'm not going <laughs> to. They'll come knock on my door. Who the hell are you? No, okay, I don't have that power. I wish I did. But really, if everyone stops, then a moratorium will, uh, uh, a rent forgiveness will happen. But if everyone freaks out and if we allow the police to go house to house and, and evict people, and that's coming up. That's a huge, you know, the eviction process, that's coming up. They're just waiting. They'll say, oh, you owe all this money and it's stacked up and now it's thousands and thousands and thousands. Uh, just don't, I mean, in a sense, don't believe in it. You know what you need to believe in? You need to believe in your right for housing. You need to believe in your right to have a roof over your head, uh, regardless of any other consideration. Now, it may be that uh, the person uh, who owns that house is also going to be in, in, in trouble because you can't make the mortgage, but that's not your idea. It's not your fault. I'm not saying being a, I'm not saying be a snot and withhold money just you know, on an ideological basis, but I am saying if you can't, then you really shouldn't, and you shouldn't because it makes things worse for everyone. Every person who moves out uh, uh, provides pressure to someone else to move out. Don't move out. Don't move out. Don't move out. Huh. Okay, now I feel better. Well, the number to call 503 503-231-8187. 503-231-8187. 8187. Still have a little time to talk about these things. And I was talking about the collateralized loan obligations. And to tell you the truth, I had a little bit of a brain fart and uh, I couldn't think of what the CLO Collateralized loan obligations going up. Uh, it's a way of investing in businesses. And it's just like CDOs were in 2008. Basically, uh, it's a way of stacking a bunch of investments together so you can have some lousy investments in it just for the sake of making the money move, just so you can have gambling. And you can have, and this is the weird part, this is the hard thing to wrap your head around, so that you can have gambling on your gambling, and you can put that together in a group, and you can have people gamble on that, and it goes, and this is called derivatives. And whenever there's a crisis like this, derivatives get ready to collapse. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they have to make their payments on their investments, too. And uh, they get a hell of a lot do as a renter or a mortgage owner, uh, but they have to pay the piper eventually. And so I can say with uh, relative, despite all of the funds being given to the banks all over the place, there is going to be a terrific collapse of investments. And when that happens, it ties up, it ties up credit. So that newly reopening restaurant can't get their cash and it does affect you. It will affect you directly just as it did. 2008, 2009, I don't have to tell you how bad that was. And, of course, the way we are currently set up, it affects people of color much worse, black, indigenous, and people of color much, much worse. And I could yak all day about that. Capitalism and, uh, and economic hierarchy is a vicious, traditional, continuous, effective enforcer of the racial oppression in this country. And uh, it's right there, and there isn't any magic button to press to make it go away. Uh, but there is revolution, and frankly, we're going to have to have one. 
we got uh, right up now at the top of the hour. Let me check my little note here and see if someone's waiting to talk to me. Okay, maybe not. Oh, look, that means I get to gas away even more. Okay, so you're listening to Press Watch on KDOO Portland, and uh, you can hear this as um, as a podcast. And uh, I'm going to get on the net, and I'm going to get. Um, I'm going to put up a little picture and give this this uh, statement, the statement, uh, this last hour and name. But it's under kboofm presswatch Well, it, it will be in about an hour, and you'll be able to look at the time or the end of the internet, whichever comes first. And uh, you can get it on podcast services. Uh, and I haven't been using podcasts lately, and they keep, and you know, I'm old, so I don't do podcasts, even though I'm making one. How, how ironic is that? You can get it straight off kboo.fm. You can get it on uh, Apple. Uh, I, there's one called Twitcher or Switcher, I guess. Stitcher. I, think I, should say that in, I should say that in a voice like this. I'm sorry. Uh, say it again, Sonia. Stitcher. Stitcher. I think you, you, can, you can get it on Stitcher and just stitch it right up. Uh, it's on three, you know, and they they make a penny, I suppose. But uh, I would like to encourage you to support KBOO.FM. Uh, if what you just heard was useful to you, um, it's the general, I mean, there's so many things to say. For example, I'm so glad I bought one gold coin because I just, you know, got my money back and then some because things are so unstable. And if you've got 1800 bucks, you know, maybe you should drop it on that. Um and I, I don't know how to wrap this up. I don't know how to tie it all up except that it's solidarity. It's looking after each other that's going to let us get through this. So act in solidarity. Don't move out. Black Lives Matter. Support KBOO. You know, Unicorn Riot got millions of dollars for being there at the protest, and our people have got arrested at the, at the protest. And KBOO reporters have been getting arrested since I don't know. I mean, I was arrested in 96 uh, in the Timber Wars. Uh, KBOO reporters are important in getting the news out, sometimes breaking worldwide stories like uh, during 